0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion.
1: Dr.
2: Doreen Grand-Pichet is... The- Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr.
1: Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod. This is Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Good
2: morning, everyone.
1: Uh, look, I let you get a word in anyway. <sighs> <laughs> um, I, I'm working on it, a, pr- a work in progress here. So uh, thrilled to be here with you guys this morning, and we are live right now. Today is the 27th of September, 2022. And I'm excited that we're, we're back in the studio together. It's just always, you know, we can we can do all of the Zoom and things, but there's nothing like being face-to-face and person-to-person, so it's true. Uh, it's thrilling to be here with you. For those of you Thank who you. don't know, Dr. Grampy Shea is a true expert in the field of autism. I believe the preeminent expert in the field in our time, and there is no other time, really. So we're thrilled that we have this time to be here with her. We're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and about a dozen other sites and Traven will start throwing those onto the screen for you so that you can see all the ways that you can watch the show. We like to remind you that the show is available live mm-hmm. and that we love our interaction with those of you who are live and we love when you guys write in. Some of you have already written in Laurie and Parker and Autism Journey with Elijah and Mayteb and Susie and Denise. We're thrilled it's, that you guys are have- our Denise- Is it? It is our Denise. Oh, it's so great to see you (laughs) also. Um, I didn't even see that. I wasn't even looking at that. Denise, sending you air hugs. So uh, we're thrilled that those of you who are watching live and you have that opportunity to write in, but we do have another audience who doesn't get to watch our our live shows. In fact, that's the larger portion of the audience, and I want you guys to know if you're watching us recorded, you still can write in questions after the fact. Absolutely. You you can uh, write in on on our website, autism-live.com. There is, I was saying this yesterday, we call it the live chat. There's nothing live about it and there's no chat about it, but it is a place <laughs> where you can put things that we can see and then we can
2: answer live. Um, so and also I, um, on all of my social media feeds, mm-hmm. and actually that reminds me that I did have a couple on Instagram that I, there, the answer would have been too long, so yeah. I mentioned that we might be able to talk oh. about them today. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you have those, uh, yeah. uh, that would be great. Um, you can also email
1: me, Shannon at autism live.com. And Traven, later on, he'll find time to put that up on the screen for you guys. Uh, but we do take uh, starter questions off the chat as well. And uh, Dr. Grampy Shea, as she said, she's on TikTok and she's on the Insta. As you crazy kids call it, on the Insta. Insta. Is that the lingo? (laughs) I'm so old, just put me out to pasture now. Anyway, (laughs) thrilled to be here with you guys, and it's lovely to be here. We're saying good morning to Lori and good afternoon to Parker. And if you are someplace where it is a different mode than that, write in and tell us that. Uh, We said that our, our starting topic for today, we always have a starting topic now. Uh, But then we'll branch out into other questions. Our starting topic today is aggression. Mm -hmm. And we had a question that came in in the night that I want to get to first, but I see that there's another one up there as well. Um, And I didn't say that we – I didn't get the disclaimer – that we always have to give the disclaimer that although Dr. Grampuchet is truly an expert in this field and has been working in this field for more than 40, yes, I said four zero years, there is no one who can give individual-specific advice in this format. We just all accept and understand that that's the limitation. Yes, of it course. would be a disrespect to the person on the spectrum if we pretended otherwise. Send in information as specific as you possibly can. She'll give you as much information as she knows as an expert, but it can't be individual-specific. Specific. So right. that's just the the you know the the truth of all of it. Okay, so this question they wrote in and said my son with ASD and ADHD is almost thirteen mm-hmm. and in the last few weeks his behavior has significantly we have an urgent appointment with his psychiatrist on Tuesday which would be today but I wanted to hear from other parents Mm. and experts he has abruptly begun exploding violently with siblings Mm. over such offenses as she was whining he spit in five-year-old sister's food when back was turned and justified it because she was whining I heard a thud and an owl from my three-year-old in the other room and he says his answer was he was going too slow on the stairs and he hit him into the wall. I don't know what to do. I'm terrified that he will seriously injure a sibling. All I can think of is the next time this happens we go to the hospital because I don't know what else to do. Please help me. Thirteen oh, thirteen years old and it is sudden
2: onset of Yeah, this. this is I can imagine that you must be pretty scared right yeah. now. This is really overwhelming. So I'll just throw out a couple of ideas and comments, and of course, um, please, Shannon, you do as well. This is, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think needs to be dealt with, and there's lots of different things to consider. Um, So sometimes we, I mean, his diagnosis is ASD and ADHD, and so it's it would be understandable that you might conclude right away that this this aggression is coming because the ADHD is picking up for some reason, mm-hmm. right? That is possible, and when you talk to his psychiatrist, um, the psychiatrist may increase his medication if he is on medication, which I think he should be probably at this point. Um, ADHD stuff tends to increase a little bit during the teen years, so that's quite possible. That's one thing, Um, and there are a lot of non-stimulant medications now for ADHD, which is great. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is that uh, he's frustrated or can't get his communication, he's not communicating well. And when that happens, um, sometimes our kids act out and do challenging behaviors, and we kind of excuse it a little bit because of their ASD diagnosis. And so we allow it because we feel bad about the fact that they're frustrated or maybe going through something, whatever it is. So I would recommend that this is a really good time if you don't have ABA going on in his life. This is the time where you should be reaching out to your insurance company or payer and saying, I need help and I need it. Immediately. And there are, this is one of those scenarios. There are scenarios where a payer will step in immediately with a kind of urgent funding, right? Immediate funding and some help that will come your way, which means you would get a board certified behavior analyst, hopefully, and a team of trained behavior technicians. I don't know where you are, but there's ABA now across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, so that they will come in, the behavior analysts will help teach you and essentially the whole family and tell you kind of what to do and what not to do. Like there are certain things that he's doing, like the two behaviors that you mentioned, that are just not okay. They're not allowed. And of course, he's 13 and I assume he's difficult to manage and therefore Usually when our kids are older, we tend to kind of walk on eggshells around them a little bit because they're aggressive and they can get scary. And so I wouldn't want you uh, trying to manage this on your own. I would really recommend that you get a team of behavior analysts or a behavior analyst and a team of behavior technicians immediately to help set up different contingencies so that he learns what is okay and what is not okay. Right. Because today it might be his siblings who are younger and scapegoats, essentially. But tomorrow it could be anyone else at school, like, let's say, a teacher or a peer. And then he'll get kicked out of school or later on in his life. It could be anyone in his, let's say, environment, whatever it is that he's doing. So you want to be able to teach him rules of society right now, the sooner the better. And doing, you know, challenging behaviors to his siblings, uh, behaviors that are damaging to his siblings, is not allowed. That's just not allowed. And no matter how, what his level of frustration is, there are other ways for him to cope. And those are some of the things that you would, the behavior analyst would help you with. For instance, you know, helping him identify when he's about to lose his temper, giving him an area perhaps in his room where no one else is allowed to come where he can simply get up and go over there sit relax put on some music do something that is calming teach him exercises that will calm him down because this is like rec- self-regulation of aggression which honestly is not it's not just our kids but a lot of people need this training And it's a matter of, like, just observing oneself, identifying that my blood pressure is about to raise. I'm getting upset now. I need to get away from here. And I need to go do something that's going to calm me down. Medications will help with that. But, again, it goes back down to teaching him kind of the limits, the pros and cons of, you know, how he behaves. And then, of course, a behavior analyst would help you put in place situations where he's going to succeed and be rewarded you got to turn this around because sometimes our kids do these behaviors and they get into a habit of just getting attention when they do something bad. And that's kind of what's happening right now, right? He's doing these bad things and then you might be getting on his case. So we have to put situations in place where he's getting attention and he's getting a lot of reinforcers and rewards for doing good, and teaching him how to avoid doing these things that are harmful to others by going away and calming down or whatever it might be, and also giving him the ability to communicate, like maybe he can come to you and say, I'm really frustrated right now, and you Mm -hmm. can then help him, or whoever is around him, you can then help him and say, it's okay, just tell your sister, please stop whining, and then you can go to your room, get away from it while she's doing that. It's very hard sometimes for kids with ASD to be able to understand another person's perspective. This is the theory of mind deficit. So he's not doing this to be mean. He just doesn't understand how things are from the sibling's perspective. And that's a longer, very important lesson for him, but it takes time for our kids to learn that when they do these challenging behaviors, how the other person feels. And and if you get a behavior analyst in place, they can help you teach these things to him. The last thing I just want to say is that sometimes when our kids suddenly start to act up, you have to look at other environments and make sure there's nothing weird going on. And, you know, I've had children where, like, they'll start, start to act up at home all of a sudden and they've not had any of this stuff going on, and It's because someone at school is bullying them, and they come home. And, you know, when you get bullied, you scapegoat someone else, and that is a very common thing. So please make sure you have the opportunity to observe at school, find out exactly what's going on, make sure all of his other environments, he's safe, and, you know, nothing is bringing harm to him, which he's now internalizing and showing to his siblings. I love that. And, you know, I, cause I, the
1: question I was going to ask is what changed? Yeah. Since exactly. it's sudden, what changed? Exactly. And like be a super detective. And I think we get scared sometimes to yeah. look at what possibly changed because we don't want to. Absolutely. Like it, right. it, we go to the, we catastrophize and say it could be something really horrible. But if that's the case, you would want to know it and you would want to be able to intervene. That's but right. sometimes it isn't. Sometimes things just get wonky or upside down, and it could be the smallest thing that's kicking their keys through, the things that's that right. come up for me. Or, that's that, right. I'm, I have um, an allergy to wheat. I don't have celiac, but I have an allergy to wheat. And um, I can't have wheat; it throws me off, and I'm. That's a really good other point too. That's makes a very good Makes me crabby, point. and and you could say anything to me, and I'm just like ah, yeah. about it. So you know there could be something going on, and you can become allergic to something. It, you know, it could be that he wasn't, but now he is allergic That's to it. That's so
2: true as well. Your ability very to true. cope.
1: It's I always think of coping as this multi-layered thing, and when you have an allergy, and it's the time of year. This is exactly the time of year for me where I've to be super careful about my allergies because there's the outside allergies too so that peels off several of my layers of coping that's true. and if i were to have wheat right now katie bar the door yeah i would be the ugliest
2: nastiest See, person to you uh, and you well, don't deserve that no i totally get that shannon and i i'm uh, fully with you but even when we're not feeling well, mm-hmm. we kind of know what the rules are. Yes. You know what I mean? And I just want to make sure, like sometimes as parents, we know our kids are not feeling well mm-hmm. for one reason or another. or Something is frustrating them or whatever it might be. And we allow them yes. to break the rules. And that's, I'm
1: so guilty of this.
2: It, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm and you've got to be very careful with that. because. Yeah. What you're actually teaching the child is a little bit of histrionics. Like, it's, you know, you can break the rules if you're sick. Right. And so then the child will learn this whole other thing of maybe I should act sick. So you've got to be very careful with all this. Yeah. I'm not saying don't pay attention to it. It is important to pay attention to. And it's always when your child is either feeling like a an allergy or just... Yeah digestive issues or hasn't slept or there's something else going on, pressure, stress, whatever it might be, make life easier for them, give them more rewards, but still they can't break the rules. Right. But I do
1: think it's worth checking out. And then the other thing is is that sometimes yes. there's just a misunderstanding. And I think what's super hard is communicating misunderstanding is hard when, when there isn't a communication right. deficit, right? Um, but a really quick, funny story that when my, well, I won't say who, there was a member of my family many years ago who um, we had uh, people, tw- twin people in the family. I'll say that. I'm going to get in trouble. But um, we're, we weren't, I wasn't raised particularly religious. Mm -hmm. Um, So those kinds of stories weren't necessarily in our household because of my parents and who they were. But when it came time to send a couple of people to preschool, the the correct preschool happened to be a religious preschool. Mm -hmm. And so my mother was paying for it and was all happy that they were going to this preschool. And all of a sudden, one of the people started acting out. It was sudden just and just behaving in a such a way that we were like what happened right <laughs> now that individual so figure they were four that individual had full language capability so that finally after putting up with like two weeks of this my one of the her her mother let's say that said what is going on with you why are you behaving this way yeah and and she looked at her straight in the face and said well I learned at school that Jesus was good and he got stapled to the wall for it so oh, I so I I don't want to be good and get stapled to the wall. Yeah. Because she'd never heard, I know this is terrible, right? (laughs) Stapled to the wall. (laughs) Please forgive me. But, you know. And we have other people that that, that kids who were wetting yeah. the bed and wetting the bed yeah. for years, and then finally one night in in like just total sleep deprived, the mother said, you know, what can I do to get you to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom? And this young man said to his mom, "Am I allowed to get up? You told me I couldn't you get couldn't up at night." Yeah, and yeah. she went, "What? Oh my good, these little misunderstandings." Yeah. 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 That Kids sometimes, interpret things completely differently. Yes. Yep, it, yes. And it's everybody, including our kids on the That's spectrum. Right. And it might be harder to be a detective to get to the bottom of it. But that the fact that you say that it came on suddenly, uh, like the detective in me, what you have taught me is something, something's, something's going, going on. on. Something's going on somewhere. Yeah. Something, it could be as easy as something, you know, he's 13, so his body is changing and maybe he's that, become allergic to that something. In,
2: that in itself, actually, puberty... Puberty in itself is actually another thing as well, for sure. Especially with boys, you do go through a period where, you know, their hormones are changing and, and all of this stuff starts to come up and Parker said that see we just
1: talked for 20 minutes but Parker said that he said it could be thank you Parker Um, (laughs) Parker's calling it like he sees it and he's got it right okay so I do want to get to this other question because it came in uh, two weeks ago and we didn't get a chance to get to it about a Mm seven-year-old that a seven-year-old slaps and sometimes kicks mom and dad he only demonstrates this behavior at home And uh, she's thinking that the function of this behavior is negative attention, um, but really wanting some help for it when it's only happening at home, slapping and kicking mom and dad.
2: Yeah. So you know, and and I see a a bunch of other questions that are coming in also about like you know maybe what it would be helpful is if I just talk a little bit about the uh, the function. Let's do that because there's another one coming in. autism journey with Elijah that talks about, you know, if he's told no or cannot do what he wants, when he wants, he tells us, you don't love me anymore, I'm going to leave and not come back, how do we curb this, right? Not to yeah. mention he throws things, hits and all that sort of stuff. And I think, I think it would be um, really important because our topic is kind of aggression and challenging yeah. behavior that we talk about the functions a yes. little bit. So, you know, the um, and it's funny, Shannon, because I was uh, doing some social media stuff and somebody was asking about, was talking about ABA and it was this whole older topic of good ABA versus bad ABA yeah. and so on. And, and I had said that ABA, ABA over the years has really evolved as well. Yeah. And they said, how has it evolved? And this is actually the whole conversation about functions of behavior is something that is, a, it's part of how ABA has evolved and become better. And so we should talk about it. And so the, the, what, in ABA, what we do is we talk about uh, when uh, any behavior, when it occurs. Now we're talking, let's say, these are challenging behaviors like aggression. You will ask yourself, uh, what is the function? In other words, why? What is what is the individual trying to communicate? What is the the reason for this particular behavior? Right. And functions will always, I like to drop it down to two things, because it's really simple to think about it. Shannon prefers four ways of looking at it, and we'll get there too. Yeah. But it's, everything we do is either to gain something or to avoid something. And that's a really simple way to think about it. And this is not just our kids, this is us. Every single thing we do is to gain something or avoid something in, in life, Okay. What are some of the things we can gain? We can gain attention, and we can gain tangible objects that we want, we like toys, let's say. We can gain activities, you know, access to going outside and playing. Um, lots of stuff that we can gain. What are some of the things that we can avoid? We can avoid activities. We can avoid demands that are placed on us. We can avoid... Places like classroom, uh, you know, there are lots of things we can avoid. Okay, we can and and we play games in order to gain something or avoid something. So some of these examples, like um, parent says do something and the child will throw objects or um, tantrum around it or whatever. What have they gained? What they've gained the ability to avoid doing the thing that they were told to do. Right. So they've gotten rid of this demand that was placed on them, at least for some period of time. And let's be honest, most of us as parents, when our kids tantrum or, like, have some sort of aggression or something, we back off, right? So when the child, when I say, you know, I need you to get ready, it's time to go to school, and the child has a massive tantrum, most of the time, as a parent, I'm just going to, like, back off. Um, it's very few times where I will actually go and k- kind of motor my child through it and get him on schedule, right? Often, the child, even if they don't get to avoid the situation altogether, they will get to delay yeah. the, the situation. So, And that's avoidance. Yeah. They avoid going to school at that period of time, right? Or let's say a child will hit a sibling in order to get something this or a friend in order to gain something that they want. Instead of saying, hey, can I have that toy, they will hit and grab it. That's gaining access to this tangible object. Or uh, let's say a child will act out in their classroom. And what happens usually when a child acts out in the classroom is obviously they are taken out because they're going to disrupt the classroom. So what did they actually get? They got to escape this situation which is being in a classroom and they gained access to going for a walk around campus, which is probably a little bit more pleasant than that. Uh, let's say a child uh, will tantrum, and when they tantrum or when they behave in a challenging manner, you go up to them and you say, what's going on, honey? What's wrong? Can I help you? Etc. And what did they get is they got your attention, right? So a lot of these types of things, or they can come up to you, and in fact, instead of like trying to get your attention by saying, hey, mom, I need to talk to you about something, they will hit you right and they'll try to get you to pay attention that way so what happens is when the child so first step in all challenging behaviors to identify that function is the child trying to escape a situation are they trying to gain access to a tangible object or activity are they trying to uh, uh, get your attention is it just that those those are very important ones and then there's this other category that we use with um, specifically with children on the spectrum, which is kind of an internal sense of satisfaction from doing this, right? And that's a, a function that I don't really like because it has to do with all of the self simulatory behaviors that our kids exhibit. And a lot of times in behavior analysis, we'll just say, oh, that's got an internal reinforcer going for it. Mm-hmm. There's other. It's, I don't want to get into a complicated description of that function, mm-hmm. but for most challenging behaviors, it's always either trying to avoid some activity or demand or trying to gain access to some activity or your attention. Now, what do you do? How do you deal with this situation? So you've identified what the function is, and that's very important because the way you deal with it depends on the function. If a child is uh, tantruming because they want access to an object or an activity, the way you deal with this is to make sure the child does not get that object or activity because they tantrumed, but you teach the child to ask nicely, and then they get the object or activity that they wanted, okay? Same thing with attention when they are hitting or doing something challenging because they want attention, you do not give attention, but on a separate schedule, in a different way, you have the child, you will go and give the child attention on a schedule, like every half an hour, or you will teach your child to come and ask and say, hey, mom, can we talk? Can you spend some time with me? Give me attention. If the child can't, is non-vocal, they could just Every few minutes, go get a Velcro card that, you know, has a picture of mom on it and give that to you, which means I want to do something with you. Um, So you will teach them a more adaptive way to ask for the thing that they wanted, a a less challenging way, a way that is socially acceptable. And then you want to make sure you give it to them at that time. You will not allow them to get access to the thing they wanted when they do the challenging behavior same thing for escape but in a different way so the child's trying to avoid a situation right a demand or a a, a a place that they're in or an environment or setting you make sure they cannot avoid it by challenging by doing a challenging behavior but they can avoid it by asking for a break or by saying this is too hard or i need help or Something else like that, right? Some adaptive way of asking for what it is they were trying to say. So that's the bottom line. It's, it's essentially you don't give them what they wanted when they do the challenging behavior. You give them what they wanted and a lot more. By when they communicate in a more functional way. And I know that it's, it's a lot harder when you put this into practice because here yeah. you have a child who's tantruming and all this sort of stuff, so it's hard. Yeah. But if you guys think about it, it'll apply to pretty much everything that we're receiving here. Here's the problem. Okay.
1: We all have such short attention spans. And, and as I see it, this many years later, the problem is, is that when people who are ABA people explain this to us, you start with what's the logical part to start oh, with. Yeah. But unfortunately, by the time you get to the part where where you talk about but this is how they actually get the need met. Mm-hmm. We've gone on to other things in our brain and that doesn't get heard. Oh, I hear so, you. So what I'm suggesting is that I I always say to ABA providers, tell the, flip it, tell it the other way. Say, right now your child doesn't have a, and you do this all the time. You're like one of the few people that does this this way. Right now your child cannot get their needs met. We need to teach them a way to get their needs met. Yes. So we're going to teach them the way to get what they want. Absolutely. But in doing that, we're going to stop giving them what they want for all the other ways that they're doing it. Right, right. And something about... Because... All the people who are anti-ABA say, so you just said don't pay attention to the child who's desperate for attention. They didn't wait for yep. the second part, which yep. is that child is desperate for attention and they don't know how to get it. So we're gonna teach them how to appropriately get it. Right. But in doing that, we're gonna cut them off from attention when they're hitting people. Right. Because right now that's the only way they know to get attention. It's not working for them. But first we're gonna teach them how to appropriately get attention. And then we're going to cut off the blood supply for this behavior that they think works and doesn't actually.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about it, Shannon, all kids, when they go to school... They learn a series of rules that are very similar to this. In school, in your classroom, you can't just blurt out when you want something. What do you do? You learn a new behavior, which is this. And you have to wait for the teacher to call. So we're learning new ways of communicating all the time.
1: Oh, my gosh. Look at what we all had to do during the pandemic and now coming back to work. There you go. It's a normal Way to be in life, which is to learn more effective ways to get your needs met. Exactly, and that's what it's called. There's nothing cruel about that's that. That's why
2: it's called adaptive behavior.
1: Right, right. Adapt. but people hear that and they think you're talking about. I don't want mm. you to do a spit take, but they think when you say adaptive, people think you mean depend undergarments. They think, <laughs> oh, adaptive is all about toilet training because, and we have right. to like we have right. to get them a wheelchair or a crutch or whatever. Right. It isn't. It's learning how to get your needs met in a way that's more
2: effective for absolutely. you, absolutely, um, and more acceptable to society. I mean, I yeah. I'm not going to steer away from that because I, it's a lot of the you know it, it has to do with society adapting and us yes. adapting and yes. then and, and then it works yes. but if both of us are like no why don't you know yeah. I'm not going to change society I'm not going to change the rules we already are we yeah. are there's yeah. sensitive areas for kids and there's all these things that are changing yeah. But at the same time, there are certain societal rules that we all have to adhere to. Absolutely.
1: All right, we're going to take a short pause uh, to look at a message. We have two of them today, and I don't know which Great. one Traven has first. And then we're going to be back after that. We've got, we've got something really fun that we're going to talk about that somebody wrote in, that they've had some progress, and we have some... And I
2: have to do these questions.
1: Yes, and we also have uh, an, an itching problem that we have to discuss okay. that will be super fun. <laughs> all right, so stick with us. Take a look at this. A recent study funded by the National Institute of Health suggests that there may be a higher risk of autism in children whose mother took the pain reliever acetaminophen during pregnancy. Acetaminophen is the active ingredient in scores of over-the-counter products, including Tylenol, Excedrin, and Robitussin. So if your child was diagnosed with autism and you took any acetaminophen product while pregnant... This commonly recommended over-the-counter medication may be responsible, though additional research is ongoing. If you or a loved one used Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen while pregnant and later gave birth to a child diagnosed with autism, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Shapiro Legal Group is now evaluating potential legal claims by parents of autistic children. Call right now to see if you may be entitled to financial compensation. There are time deadlines to file a claim, so don't wait. You can reach Shapiro Legal Group at 888-657-0455. Again, that number is 888-657-0455. You can also contact Shapiro Legal Group by going to shapirolegalgroup.com forward slash autism.
3: Shapiro Legal Group, PLLC, associates with attorneys throughout the country to help people nationwide and is licensed in New York and Washington, D.C. and has its principal office at 60 East 42nd Street, New York, New York. This ad was read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
1: Welcome back. I hope that you guys will call that number. Uh, it's important. There's so many
2: messages coming in right yes, now. Yes, <laughs> and we love that because we,
1: love it. Uh, and we just hate that we don't have enough time to answer everything. Yeah. But, but talk to us.
2: Okay, so I'm going to try and respond to a couple of the ones that came on my Instagram feed, um, asked Dr. Doreen. And so the first one is, Is autism and ADHD related? Mm. I have a 13-year-old girl who was diagnosed with minor ADHD. I don't understand the difference between minor and severe ADHD. Her doctor never explained much, but he wanted to give her medication, which I denied. I fear for my kid's future in high school because of the ADHD. She's ambitious, an incredible athlete, wants to play college soccer, but the way she learns and writes without my constant help... I fear the worst for her regarding Mm. grades, GPA and taking the SATs later down the road. Just recently she made a decision to leave middle school because of the general daily negativity and school fights. She told me she wants to homeschool to focus on her education herself as well as soccer but even with the new homeschooling program she has a hard time sticking with a schedule, doing the work calmly without fidgeting and moving around in her chair. On top of that, she has seasonal severe allergies, which Mm. we all know. I feel very sad for her. I'm doing my best. What would you recommend? Okay. So this is for Pamela. Pamela, um, ADHD, when you diagnose ADHD, it's a whole list. It's a very long list, and there's two types of ADHD. Actually, three types, if you think about it. There's ADHD, which involves hyperactivity, um, and, and then there's ADHD, which only involves inattention, And then there's combined. So you can have both of that. And I don't really know what her situation is. But with ADHD, I do recommend that you look at medication. Um, Specifically with teens with ADHD, it does tend to get a little bit more severe. The more pressure there is, um, it's, it's very hard. If she has both inattentive and it sounds like hyperactive because she's very fidgety, you said... It's extremely difficult to process what's going on around us because the speed with which we live is much, much, much faster. Um, And you're just like on a completely different speed. So everything, you just miss stuff around you because you're going too fast. And I can give you a million examples of this. you just... You're like you're imagine if you were just like going like this all the time. How much would you take in from your environment? you yeah. take in a lot less so there are medications that are stimulants that can slow things down for someone with a d h d but there's also non stimulant medications now for um kids so I do recommend that you actually go and talk to your physician about this because it's kind of helpful honestly, if you can do that i and and the other thing is. You know, uh, homeschooling can be good, but please make sure that she is, whatever ends up being her thing, whether it's school or homeschool, give, make sure that she have, has enough assistance to be successful. The worst thing that can happen is that our kids fail and then they give up. So I really kind of want to just urge you to give her as much help, tutoring, support as you can right now. So hopefully that helps. Then there was a question from Taryn. And Taryn said, I wanted to ask if sensory issues can increase with age. My son is three in ABA, 35 hours a week. Good job, Taryn. That's awesome. He occasionally toe walks, doesn't eat mushy textures, but that seems to be his only sensory struggles. So this is a great question because sometimes someone will tell you oh, autism has also sensory aspects to it, and you're like, my child doesn't have those things. Don't worry. It's it's rare that sensory issues increase with age. If your child is not experiencing sensory stuff right now, maybe he's not going to experience sensory dysregulation. So autism isn't diagnosed that way. You don't have to have every symptom. You have to have a certain number. Of symptoms, So it's very possible that your child will not have sensory struggles. Um, but right now, the mushy texture thing is a sensory issue. So I would get with someone who is good at, f- at feeding therapy, which a lot of ABA folks know how to do feeding, and um, start to teach your child to eat a varied diet because he's only three right now, but you have 35 hours, so you might as well throw that in as well which is really great.
1: Taryn's a rock star because she was on my list too. Oh, there you go. So Taryn, good on, good on you for being persistent that and thorough. That is awesome. I love yeah.
2: that. So, and, then, and then there was one from Lana Lanita, who is in Slovenia and says she's a huge fan of ours. Oh. And she has a nonverbal son who will be three in October. He began to slowly repeat the words behind us. He points the finger at everything He recognizes and cheers on famous people. This is where the problem arises. Instead of the word mama, he will say baba. Instead of ata, he says ah. Cow is ah. Owl is uva. Like he will say, is there a good trick to start pronouncing words more distinctly? Please help. They're in Slovenia. And unfortunately, they don't have ABA because everyone is very much against this way of teaching. Mm. It seems to me that ABA is phenomenal and the only effective approach to teaching. Thank you for your time. Okay, Lana, so if it's not available to you, then what I suggest is that you train yourself and that you hire people who can work in this technique. Or get
1: volunteers, because we've had people that have gotten volunteers.
2: Absolutely, volunteers. Yeah. But the the concept, and it's harder, I know, because you're dealing already, it's so much to deal with when you have a child on the spectrum, right? But what I would do, Lana, is I would go online, and there's a lot of education online. A, a company that we formed years ago is called Institute for Behavioral Training, and they're online, and they provide training modules for parents, and there are many other companies that also provide training for caregivers, parents. And I would really, really recommend that you start there because it would be really important to understand the concepts of ABA, and that will teach that you, ABA will teach this pronunciation and uh, additional language. And, and let me tell you, it sounds like your child has a lot of potential because they're trying to imitate and point to and, like, interact. And so it's super important that you actually do this because they're going to need, your child will benefit from hours of this type of education. Obviously, if you can get speech therapy, speech therapy there will also help with pronunciation and with articulation of sounds. Um, But I I would recommend that you try to get trained in ABA and then get volunteers, or they could be high school students. And then you can teach them. They can watch these trainings as well. And then together you can start doing some instruction for your child so that they catch up. And, and please, if you have access to a speech therapist, uh, add that as well. Okay.
1: And, and in line with that, NH has written in and said, I wrote in here a few months ago about my son, five next month, Uh, was talkative but wouldn't have conversations. You gave me some great advice. That's great. She says now, in the past two weeks, he has had four different ten to twelve-minute conversations at dinner uh, with her, and she says they're mostly topic he likes, but he also talked and answered about other things. I wasn't sure that this would ever happen, and it still doesn't happen very often. But even though he still has many other challenges, I want to tell parents that even if your kid is barely speaking at three, with lots of work, they could be having a conversation with you in the next few years.
2: That's amazing. So I absolutely
1: love that. Thank Thank you. you. Because we love to hear that, right? That's very gratifying. Uh, Okay. Uh, Our dear Amanda has written in and asked if we're taking live questions. Yes, we are. So we have a question. Do you think DRA... Oh, we're going to go there is an appropriate, and I love when parents have jargon back for us, because yeah. I'm like, what, yeah. what kind, remember when we started oh, this yeah. 12 years ago and a parent would have been like, DR what? Yeah. Uh, do you think DRA is an appropriate intervention for a teen adjusting or maybe itching the private parts in public? Total time engaged in that behavior may be about four seconds long, two or three times a day. Now, somebody else wrote in and said, you know, it might be a hygiene thing and to teach about hygiene, but it's a bigger issue.
2: It's there's, a bigger issue. Yeah. And it does come up um, for a lot of our kids. How old is this child? Uh, this is a teenager. Okay. So, you know, and these types of behaviors that we consider to be private behaviors do come up. And our kids sometimes are not really aware of what is, what is appropriate socially and what is not. And that's a whole lesson that you should teach your child, which is, you know, there are certain things you do in public and certain things you do in private. As the other viewer mentioned, I would start with making sure there's no other issue, right? right? I would start right away, go see a physician, which your child should be getting checkups anyway, and make sure there's no rash or anything else that's causing this behavior. Once you've determined that, and of course if there is, you will treat it, right? Right. And that's number one. That's the most important thing. It's funny, we're talking about itching today because I just came back from... Florida and I am I have a thousand mosquito bites on my body. Right Remember when you had that? Oh a my gosh. Ago?
1: I thought I like I had to be sedated to be it here and do so the show because I was yeah. covered. Yeah. So
2: so you wanna deal with that because you know, itching is something that will disrupt your child's behavior all the time. Like they'll be thinking about it, annoying, all that sort oh. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so so take care of that first. But secondly, it's just a matter of teaching your child what is private and what is public and what are some behaviors that are not allowed in public. And you don't have to get into, like, you know, I mean, you could. It depends on the functioning level of your child. You could explain exactly why it's not allowed and that these things might will make other people uncomfortable. Sexual type sexuality and sexual related type stuff is stuff that is only private, all that sort of stuff. And I will tell you, we learned this with uh, many years ago with, with younger boys who were getting at the age where they felt that they needed some stimulation, genital stimulation. And instead of saying, oh, no, no, that's a bad thing, we would actually teach the child that they are allowed to do certain things in the privacy of their own room or in a bathroom and they're not allowed to do it elsewhere. And so I think you need to be able to teach your child just the rules around what is allowed and what is not allowed first. Once you've done that, then talking about DRA, which is differential reinforcement of alternate behavior, yes, certainly you can... I think at this point you want DRI, which is you want to teach your child to, to reinforce your child for doing an incompatible behavior, mm-hmm. which might be something like putting their hands in their pockets when they feel like they have to do that, or like maybe scratching their the, their leg inside the pocket, which might be a good replacement for itching other or scratching other parts of the body those types of things. And it is habit control. This is one of those things which is habit control and it'll take practice. And remember, DRA or DRI or DRO even, which is just reinforcing your child for not doing that behavior for periods of time. Um, It all depends on reinforcement, all of it. So you have to be continuously rewarding your child for doing other behaviors instead of this. I do want to say, though, too, not being a guy... Um, That I'm told that there is a certain
1: amount of, you know, there's that rearranging some stuff down there that comes up. We've all watched people that are baseball people or whatever. And they're (laughs) like different rules, different places, right? Dancers, you know... Uh, Grabbing stuff and whatever. And I still say, I need to go back to doing stand up for the time that there was the lesson that the male therapist was teaching my son about ways that you can rearrange the package without touching it. (laughs) And I was like, someone needs to make a documentary out of this. But he taught him that. Yeah. And if there's somebody, a male person that can, like, have uh, either on your team or in your family that can have a conversation about how and when they rearrange the package. Um, Because apparently, Oh, definitely. It's, a, it's a thing. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of things like that that honestly, as, as women, we don't experience. But the other thing is like you might want to check and make sure his underwear is comfortable, right? Yeah. Sometimes uh, the underwear could be too tight. The underwear could have something inside that is itchy. It's uh, a
1: boxer brief thing. Exactly.
2: Right? I mean, these are all things you should consider as well. All right. Uh, Nikki wants to
1: know, can you talk about suggestions for ASD and device addiction? I think we should do a whole show on that personally. Uh, But she says, I have a 13-year-old who has aggression around devices and she says that she is working with an ABA provider and he's doing better, but I have to spend a lot of time managing him. The devices... Devices being
2: like iPads yeah, and iPhones They and so don't want yeah, to have to...
1: If you have any kind... It's like the magic thing, and if you do anything to break, I think we've all experienced this. I will say that for me, what I... My son, I didn't let him have devices until he was later and had more communication capability. And what I said to him when I would ask him to get off of it and he would throw a tantrum, or I think there was one time that he threw something and I said, what you're teaching me right now is that you can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So we should put that in a timeout. Or you could teach me how well you're able to put it aside and deal with it maturely. You can choose what you want to teach me right now. Yeah. And and then we would have to revisit that discussion from time to time. But mm. but I would love to hear from you. What Because not everybody has the ability to understand that when yeah. they have devices. Yeah. You have a five-year-old, they chuck the iPad. Yeah yeah
2: well, I mean, first of all, and that you bring up a whole different point, I think Shannon, which is also very important, is like how we treat our devices <laughs> and you know the challenging yes. behaviors around the device, which is very important as well and I think that there's different levels to it, so when we start with uh, children who are using a device, first of all, you have to set up a schedule, so you have to be okay I, I, I never tell a parent. Oh, no, just don't allow him to have the device. Don't allow him to have TV or something like that because those are reinforcers. And you need to think of this device as a very powerful reinforcer. It's, it's your friend. It's not your enemy. It's your parent. It's your friend because this is a powerful tool that you can use to get your child to do behaviors that you want them to do. So think of it that way first. It's not just a recreational item, right? So you will put it on a schedule in the sense that your child can earn it for whatever it is that you want, and they should have as much of it or as little of it as you think is appropriate, right? I, with time, and it's funny that you talk about when, you know, years ago or 10 or 20 years ago... It was a very different world than it is now. And with time, use of devices becomes more and more common and therefore more and more okay. So the interesting thing is I look at, like, my son who is 23 now, and I was talking to him the- yesterday, actually, about, like, some of his hobbies. And a hobby that a lot of our kids have these days is, uh, is gaming, yeah. right? And they interact socially with other people through gaming. Yeah. And that involves just a complete antisocial type of behavior, if you were to define it according to our standards 20 years ago, right? Because they have headphones on, they're on a, a screen, and they're like this. And they're talking to the person and multiple people maybe in the group. But you could you know, put yourself on fire next to them, and they would be oblivious to yeah. that. But that's okay. That is socially acceptable and it is something that is what would be unacceptable for me, for instance, is if he was gaming when it's time for dinner. Yeah. And so you set the rules according to what works for you and you allow your child to have those things. And by the way, Only if things are going pretty well. Like if your child is throwing the object or if your child has had a rough, you know, like has had a very, very bad day because they're like acting out in multiple other ways, that's not necessarily a day you want to reward them with this object, right? And you gradually will teach your child that, hey, they can have half an hour of a device and put it on a schedule. That's what's really important is and let your child know ahead of time with a visual that you know i've i've had i've done these things i have like my five tokens or my five tasks depends on your functioning level obviously and i've done all these things and therefore today i have my free time and i can choose these things and my device is one of them and so that's what i'm going to do and it's all it's okay with you and more importantly it's fair to your child that's what's really really important is that your ch- all of us by the way Always need for happiness. I'm reading a lot these days about happiness, which yeah. I love this literature. And it really a lot of our happiness depends on having a, something to work towards, a mm. goal, a, a mission, something that is meaningful, and then actually working towards it and gaining that, that sense of accomplishment or that thing, and then the reward that we worked for. So that's kind of an important thing that you can allow your child to have. Don't think of the device as, as a horrible thing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. That being said, obviously we don't want our kids on devices 24-7 because they're not learning necessarily. Right. But the amazing
1: dad who came, and uh, he's a friend of yours, and I can never remember his name, but he talked to us about the fact that he thought of it as being something that was horrible and Stand. and then, yes, thank you and um and then he sat down and started playing a game that his son liked to play right. and he and instead, what he found was a way to connect with his child right and so they played like two or three games together, and he said, and then I understood why there are times when I'll say it's dinner time, and he was like, "I can't come now, yeah. I will lose." three days worth of work if I come now, and that he can now understand it. So I do think that there's something to be said for that. I need to get to this question, although there's so many of you that are writing in, but this one is breaking my heart a little bit, that they wrote in last night. Um, My nine nonverbal, almost three-year-old son is still breastfeeding periodically uh, through the day and night and is still sleeping in our bed. He's also a terrible eater and never tells me when he's hungry, other than uh, my assumption when he pushes me towards a chair and up, uh, tries lifting up my shirt. I don't really know where to begin to wean him because I don't know what he understands, and I know he uses it for comfort. Mm-hmm. He wakes up several times at night to nurse and switch sides, which means I'm awake too and getting angry that I'm not getting sleep. What How do I do? How old is he? He's almost three. Okay. And she says, thank you so much for your help because it's a it's a tough situation.
2: It is a tough situation, and... Um, You know, the answer here is, and I'm sure I think you probably know the answer, but it's just hard for us as parents to do this. But the answer is, it's not appropriate anymore. And as much as it is for his comfort, we need to find something that will give him comfort and stop this behavior. Not only because it's uh, you know, not okay for him to be doing this anymore. But it's also for you because you need to get some sleep. And he he not only needs to stop nursing, he needs to start sleeping in his own bed. So there's two steps to this, and it's very emotional and it's really really hard. The um, and I really do recommend that you try to get help with this uh, because. You know, one of the things thats I remember when my youngest child, who's now 21, thank God, <laughs> um, was very little and she wouldn't sleep. And it was super, super difficult to get her to stay in her room. And even I was on the verge of like I'd sit outside of her room and I'd be so exhausted and mm. crying, you know, and my husband would say, are you crazy? Like, are you nuts? You teach this stuff. What are you doing here? Like, go to bed. And I and so it's very hard. And I never want a parent to start something that I feel like they won't be able to carry out because then is it, we, we're taking a couple of steps back. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to get help, which basically means if you have access to ABA. This is where ABA is really, really helpful because they will teach you. And in fact, if you like you then need to get people, friends or someone else who can help you, because the idea is and I wouldn't, you know, necessarily. I think it in this case, it might even be easier to do both at the same time, which is you find something else that is comforting for him and it could be a stuffed animal that he can hold on to, Uh, you know, make sure that you give him a glass of milk or whatever type of drink that you'd like to give him before bedtime. Um, And he will have that and he'll go to his really comfortable, cozy, wonderful room, um, which is going to have all of his, you know, it's just a Really comfortable bed with pillows and stuffed animals. it smells good and all these wonderful things. And you might even like want to put, I don't know, a, a nightgown or a pillow cover or something that smells of you in his room, in mm-hmm. his bed. But once you've made that really awesome place for him, he's got to stay there. Yeah, and it's, it's super hard. To do that, in fact, what I would do if this might help you is you might want to put a cot in his room. You might want to stay in the cot, but you cannot let him come to you anymore. And if that's hard for you, then someone else should do this. Maybe dad or, uh, you know, a a friend of the family or relative, and they will stay with him. It doesn't matter if he doesn't sleep on night one doesn't matter if he doesn't sleep on night two. It'll take a couple of nights. It won't take more than that. It'll take at most three nights. So three or four nights is worth it because for him, he'll be sleeping better as well. And you will be sleeping better. And let me tell you, the quality of both of your lives will really, really improve. So that 's it that 's what yeah. you do, and I know that most of us as parents know this it 's just a very hard transition
1: and i and I just want to say to this parent that you know I was breastfeeding right up until he was diagnosed at two and a half. And it was right after he was diagnosed that everybody was telling us, you know, you need to get him weaned because of all the interventions that you're going to be doing. He's not going to have, you're not going to have time for that. He's not going to have time for that. And he's got to progress. We got, we got to get him caught up and this isn't helping. And it was very emotional for me because yeah. when you have a kiddo who's yeah. not speaking and the only way that you know for sure that you can comfort them yep. is that way, it's very hard to let it go. It's extremely, very hard to extremely. let it go. So I'm I'm giving this mom a hug and acknowledging that that's part of it and just want to say that you know I'm here if yeah. you want to talk it through because it's hard. Very hard. But it's one of those things about if... Um, If it's what your child needs to get to their next phase, we have to be willing and trust that you're going to find other ways to comfort him, that you'll find other ways to connect with him. That's right. There will be other ways. Listen to that mom who said... You know, I want people to know whose kids are three that in a couple of years, if you're working on this, you can have dinner time conversations. Listen to that and move towards that light. The breastfeeding was a great thing, it, it served its purpose. Correct. It's to it's everything, there is a season, right? This next season is does not include that for him, and that's hard. Allow yourself to have the emotions but keep moving. We're out of time and there's we so many are, more questions. We are. Could you just talk yes. just
2: because Muhammad is telling us that he just values our show so much and you could just talk about your book for one second. I think that would be a great place for him to start. Oh, how sweet. So um, I have a book out right now that's called Autism Parent to
1: Parent, and it's short chapters on pretty much everything that there is where I just talk about yeah. what it's like from the end as, of a parent, like what you might misunderstand from what experts like Dr. Grant Pichet have to say and what the emotions are because the emotions are a big part of it. Right. And each chapter usually ends with with some sort of an affirmation, a suggestion of something you can say to yourself when the emotions come up. But there's real practical things and resources. And um, I know you were looking for, for books. I I give my favorite books um, in in there at at the end of each chapter. I give recommendations of websites and things like that. And one of the most popular things in the end of the book is, I know we're out of time. One of the (laughs) most popular things in the end of the book is that I give you 101 things to do with your
2: child. That's awesome. I love that.
1: So that, you know, if you're like, I just don't know what to do today. Oh, uh, look at Traven with that. We didn't show the All Ghouls Gala um, commercial. Can we show that real quick? Or you yeah, gotta go? yeah,
2: no, no, I'm totally fine. And we want to let you guys know that we are having a fundraiser yeah. uh, for ACT, Autism Care Today, which is my charity, which is very dear to me. And um, our fundraiser is coming up on the 29th of October. If you're in the Los Angeles area, we would love to have you at say Halloween party. Yes. So please.
1: If you're in the Los Angeles area, there is a hefty ticket price because the ticket price goes to benefit families who write in who ask for safety equipment, iPads, things like that. But if you can't afford the hefty ticket price and you're willing to volunteer, I'm putting together an army of volunteers. You could reach out to me and offer to volunteer and we'll put you to work, and that way you could be at the event. But take a look at this uh, commercial that my son edited and my husband stars in. He doesn't really look like this. Take a look.
3: You are invited to a frightfully fun evening at the first annual All Ghouls Gala. (laughs) Eat, drink, and be scary at an exclusive venue in Woodland Hills, California on Saturday, October 29th, 2022. (laughs) Join us, if you dare, from 6 p.m. until death do us party. (laughs) Dress to kill. Devilish prizes will be awarded during a spooktacular costume contest. Tickets to this exclusive event are available now at Eventbrite. But they won't last long. Will you? (laughs) Proceeds from the event benefit autism care today. So get your scare on. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!
1: Welcome back. And we've gone over time, so we need to go. And I apologize that we didn't get to. There were so many questions that I really wanted to get to, uh, especially love that somebody wrote in an educator from Kenya. Um, we will keep these questions in the bank and, and try to get to as many of them as we can, either on TikTok, Insta, or next week. But please feel free to write in, them in again. We When we see a question that has come yes. up before, we try to pay particular attention to that, okay? But thank you all. We are back tomorrow with a very special show. Show. Part of the show uh, will be—we had promised it to you last week and weren't able to do the interview—but we have the fabulous Austin Butner is going to join you and I right. uh, for a segment that we're going to air tomorrow, talking about a very important proposition on the ballot in California, Prop 28. We're going to talk about why it's important, why a vote yes uh, it benefits all of our kids, um, and some other really important information that I, I that I really love. Because Austin has his own charity, uh, Vision to Learn, that might be something that will help all of you, not just in the state of California. So make sure that you tune in for that and other fun stuff, and uh, we'll be back then. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you, too. Bye bye
2: for now. Bye, everyone. Thank you.
0: Mother's Day is almost here.